Welcome to Done and Done. I'm Alicia, your hostess on this journey, all things Dominic Dunn, which is kind of adjacent today. Y'all, I've got a surprise bonus episode. This is coming directly to you from my little side history podcast project called Love Letters 2. Within our arc of the two Mrs. Grenvilles, we're going to talk a lot about Truman Capote. This story that released today on Love Letters 2 was so lovingly adjacent. And before we get into all the trashy about Truman, I thought you might like to hear something nice about him first. Included is a bonus episode from the Love Letters 2 podcast about Carol Saroyan Mathau, Truman Capote's very first and original swan. I hope you enjoy it. I cannot wait to see you back next Monday for our continuation of the two Mrs. Grenvilles. Until then, y'all, stay curious. Keep on investigating. Hello, sweethearts. Thanks for joining me today on Love Letters 2, the daily podcast dedicated to wonderful and unexpected things. In today's episode, continuing through our month of first times and famous firsts, it is a love letter to Truman Capote's first swan, Carol Saroyan Mathau. These two lifelong friends meet as teenagers when Carol first inspired Truman with her radiance. Over the years, they forged a deep and lasting bond. Capote would surround himself with many other beautiful ladies in his life, but not more extraordinary than his original swan, the one whose skin he said was made of moonbeams. Oh, I do love this love letter. I'm Alicia Mintz, and I invite you to join me today for this love letter to Carol Saroyan Mathau, coming to you right after a brief word from our sponsors. Dear Carol Saroyan Mathau, you were born into difficult circumstances on September 11, 1924, to a teenage mother who was disowned by her family for having a child out of wedlock. After some challenging and sad early years of life, your world completely changed when your mother married the wealthy Charles Marcus. You and your mother moved into his 18-room duplex at 1107 Fifth Avenue, the same building that Marjorie Merriweather Post lived. The rest of your childhood and teenage years were spent in luxury, with servants and also attending expensive private schools. When you were 13 years old, a peculiar and mercurial person came into your life. His name was Truman Capote. Truman was a friend of your younger sister, Eleanor, and he would come home with her after school. Carol, you were studious and eager to please your parents, so you would be spending your after-school hours studying and doing whatever else was expected from you. Once completed, you would run yourself a bath so you could change for dinner. One day when you were getting out of the bath, you heard a noise and looked up to find a face with pink cheeks, yellow hair, and the bluest eyes you had ever seen looking through the window. Obviously alarmed, you screamed. As you were trying to decide if you should grab the blankets off your bed to cover yourself or get your robe, the face said, stop, stop. He continued his appeal with, please don't move, please. You are directly from the moon. I have never seen anyone look like you. Your skin is made of moonbeams. You are lit from within. 
No, no, don't move. Stay as you are exactly. Please, I ask this with all my heart. Understandably, you were stunned. Too shocked to do anything, you just stood there, as he had asked. And then he continued, You must never forget that you do not belong here. You can see it yourself if you look in the mirror. You are moonlight. No question about it, that's where you're from. I have watched you for so many afternoons just to see the moonbeams. You are directly from the moon. How did you ever get here? After that day, Truman came to see you almost every day, and a special lifelong friendship began. The two of you spent a great deal of time together, and he would always say the sweetest things to you like, You are magic, and it's like a valentine to be near you. In Truman's life, full of volatile relationships and destructive behaviors, Carol, you were one of the few friends that Truman Capote had until he died. Until the end of his life, he never forgot to greet you with, Yes, sweetness, you are still from the moon. Truman Capote collected people throughout his life. He adorned himself with beautiful things and glamorous friends. The women who came in and out of his inner circle were called his swans. You were his first one, Carol, the original swan. For the most part, Truman revered these elegant and fabulously wealthy women. He used them, and in exchange, he entertained them. But you were different. Your connection dated back to a time long before the world knew Truman Capote. He was not famous and had not achieved success when you and he became friends. And throughout your lives, your connection remained strong, enduring, and deeper than the less meaningful relationships he had with most of his swans that came and went in his life. Of your relationship, you once said, I told him all of my secrets. He told me some of his. You had two other lasting and profound friendships that shaped your life. Those friends were Gloria Vanderbilt and Una O'Neill Chaplin. Of those friendships, you explained the bond that you had as all three of you tried to make up for each of your early years of darkness. You all had a desire and a need for only one thing, love. And each of you spent your lives in pursuit of it. Your bond with Gloria and Una was unbreakable until your deaths. In 1941, Gloria met the first of her four husbands. Although you were still skeptical of the match, you agreed to be a bridesmaid. There were many parties leading up to Gloria's highly publicized wedding filled with Hollywood actors and other famous people. The ushers at the wedding were some of Hollywood's most handsome leading men, and your escort for all wedding events was Errol Flynn. While in California, a friend of your mother's introduced you to the Pulitzer Prize-winning author, William Saroyan. When you first met him, you were shocked to find him attractive. He was brooding and passionate with black hair and eyes. You later said of that first meeting, he looked like a gangster, sinister and dark. Ooh, I thought, he's rotten. It's wonderful. When Saroyan shook your hand in introduction, he said, You look like vanilla ice cream and pink rose petals. He was 33. You were only 16. You said you fell in love with Saroyan that very night. 
You said you fell in love with everything about him, his looks, his scent, his sense of humor, but especially his words. You had never heard anyone use words that way, except your friend Truman. You returned to New York, and soon Saroyan followed you there. On one of your first dates in New York, Saroyan took you to a party given by a Filipino poet. As you walked into the party, you saw three women. You described the first one as huge, dressed in a big black silk dress looking like a great big black bat. The next woman was described as tiny, bony, wrinkled, and bird-like, wearing a turban covered in diamond pins. The third woman, sitting in the middle, was very pretty and wearing a garden party dress and a hat made of lace, flowers, and ribbons. The big black bat yelled in an upper-class English accent, Saroyan, come over here. The tiny bird-like one peeped. Yes, Saroyan, do, do come over here and bring that little beauty over here to see us. Last, the garden flower in the middle smiled and gestured for the two to come over. That big black bat was Edith Sitwell. The tiny bird was Baroness Karen Blixen, who will write under the pen name of Isaac Dennison. The garden flower in the middle was Marianne Moore. Once Bill took you over to the women and the introductions were made, the ladies asked Saroyan what he was doing with such a little girl. He laughed and said, it's all right, I'm going to marry her. Edith Sitwell asked, what makes you think that's all right? Then she told Saroyan to go mingle alone, but leave the little girl. Carol, you stayed with those ladies, who seemed to be completely fascinated by you. You sat on the floor looking up at them as they made little curls with your hair looked in your purse, and played with your dress. These three grand ladies riddled you with questions about yourself, but also about why you were with that old man, Saroyan. You very innocently told them you were in love with him and you were going to get married. The ladies tried to discourage you. Oh, how dreadful, the bony bird Karen Blixen says. Does he tell you pretty things? asked Edith Sitwell, the big black bat. The flower in the middle, Marianne Moore asked, Do you know how different it is to have a bow than it is to get married? These are very different things, and they deserve some thought. I have a feeling you have not thought about these things enough. Do you think I'm right? Carol, you stayed with them throughout the party, and when Saroyan came to gather you at the end of the evening, you kissed each of them goodbye. As you bent over to kiss them, each of them discreetly handed you a small piece of paper. You put the pieces of paper in your purse, but Bill Saroyan did not see the passing of the notes. Later that evening, when you returned home, you took out the three pieces of paper. Each of these grand older ladies had written down their full names, addresses, and telephone numbers. Each had also written a small message. You can come and stay with me always. You don't have to stay with him. Those three wise women knew that your relationship with Saroyan would not work out for you, but young love never listens. You married Saroyan twice, and both times it was a disaster. Fortunately, you eventually got up the courage to leave him for good. Many, many years later, after having married and divorced William Saroyan twice, you saw Baroness Karen Blixen. 
She remembered your first meeting and said, Why, Carol, you didn't grow up. The Baroness told you that she was dying. You told her about your tough years with Saroyan. The Baroness told you that's what she and Edith Sitwell and Marianne Moore had been trying to tell you the day they met you all those years ago. After the second divorce, you had some acting roles and wrote a novella, The Secret in the Daisy, under the name Carol Grace. While in New York doing a play, you would meet your old friend Truman Capote for drinks and long talks. He would tell you about his friends Babe Paley, Slim Keith, Phyllis Cerf, and other socialites. Because neither of you slept much, you would stay out all night. At 7 a.m., you would walk to Fifth Avenue where a man with a cart would sell you donuts and coffee and then would continue walking. Eventually, you would end up in front of Tiffany's, eating your donuts and drinking your coffee. Together, you and Truman would stare at the diamonds and gold. And then you would walk to the plaza and sit on the steps of the fountain. Could this have been when Truman was inspired to create Holly Golightly? Was breakfast at Tiffany's a tribute to your donuts and coffee in front of Tiffany's at the end of your walks? Truman Capote's other swans came and went. You knew him long before any of them, and you stayed loyal to him until his death. After a long road, your love life did have a happy ending. In 1955, you met an up-and-coming Broadway performer named Walter Matthau. It would be years before he would become a movie star or a household name. You and Walter married in 1959 and would remain married until his death in the year 2000. You and Walter became part of the Hollywood establishment and were one of the few couples who had a happy and long-lasting marriage. In your memoir, you reflected upon those close friendships you shared with Gloria and Una, writing, They were those opalescent girls who danced through those beautiful, romantic nights. Carol Grace Marcus, Saroyan Mathau, who died at the age of 78 on July 21, 2003, of a cerebral aneurysm. You are buried in the same grave as Walter in Westwood Village Memorial Cemetery in Los Angeles. Here's to you, Carol, Truman Capote's first and original swan. Whether you are the real Holly Golightly or not, you inspired one of the greatest authors of the 20th century. He had never seen anything like you and believed you came directly from the moon. Who are we to say any different? Thank you so much for listening to this love letter to Carol Saroyan Mathau. It is one of my favorites just like you are. Until we meet again, darlings, stay in love. Thanks for listening to the Done and Done podcast, a Hemlock Creatives production. You can email us at doneanddone at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at doneanddonepodcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.doneanddone.com. See you next week, friends.